0: I've been waiting to do uh, what we're going to do in the next few minutes with my friend Don Yeager. Uh, This is, uh, I've been such a fan of his for years and read so many of his books, and then the opportunity to come to get to visit with him on an extended period has happened. So, Don, I can't thank you enough for visiting uh, with. All of our listeners are coaching you. We, you know, we have thousands of coaches and business leaders around the world that just love the the people that come and share. And I think you're one of the most unique people that in the world because you share and teach more than anyone that I've come to know in in our modern world. And and so, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this,
1: Brendan. Thank you. And what an honor. I'm as I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just as you might have mentioned there. I'm a huge fan of yours. I, I love what you all have done, and I love the way that you are uh, helping this generation of coaches uh, grow and and, uh, and and become masters. Well, thank you. Let me
0: ask you this: What I've always been intrigued by you is I've been reading you from. I'm not going to date myself, of course. You're much younger than I. But uh, is that you know? When I've been reading your substance, SI, and and now all of your books, I've read and. What amazes me is, A, how do you pick the people that you're going to do stories on, books with, and then how do you come up with these incredible
1: ideas? Well, I, so I'm, this is going to sound really, really selfish, and, and I hope not, I hope it doesn't come off poorly, but my, my deal is I have for years said I want to write books with people that I want to spend time with. And I figure if I want to spend time with them, then I can, Tell stories with them that will make other people enjoy the time we'll spend together in writing, right? And mm-hmm. and, and right. so I have turned down a number of books over the years after meeting people and realizing that's not somebody I wanted to I wanted to spend time with. So um, it sounds really. Yeah, I hope it doesn't sound cocky, but I figured that's the ultimate bar. If 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 I've got to work with you, we're going to spend a lot of time together, and I want to enjoy that time. And if I'm not going to enjoy it, I'm not going to do it. Perfect. Perfect. One of the people that you spent an awful lot of time on, and become really, I think, one of the
0: leading authorities, one of the people that I had a chance to meet early in my career. And then, you know, I think any guy that coaches, especially basketball, if you're not a disciple, a fan and a student of John Wooden, then you, you, you haven't learned properly. Where did your intrigue start with John
1: Wooden? So I had, uh, obviously like everybody, I, I knew coach through reputation and, um uh, but I, I had heard a story, um, when I was at Sports Illustrated about, uh, the fact that Coach Wooden was an, was an active and engaged mentor to many people. And, um, uh, and one of the people I heard he was mentoring or spending time with, uh, was a, uh, was an NBA all-star, a big, a big name. And, uh, and I asked if I could come just kind of watch, like, what does John Wooden share with someone? And, um, and it was this powerful conversation. It went on for several hours, but it was not at all about basketball. It was about being a better father, a better teammate, a better leader, uh, a better husband. I mean, it was just really in- inspiring, uh, three hours. And, um, and we get done and I stand up and I look at Coach. And I said, Coach, man, that was really incredible. I, I, I don't know him well at the time. And I said, how does someone, you know, how how does someone end up being mentored by John Wooden? Like, how cool is that? Mm -hmm. And he said, he looked at me and he said, you ask. And that was my first big kind of aha, because the truth is we all want mentors, right? But the truth is most of us have already talked ourselves out of the conversation by never asking. And I looked at him and I said, how many people ask? And he said, not as many as you might think which is exactly the point, right? They're all thinking, I'd love to learn from John Wooden, but nobody's going to ask. So a month later, I called him back, and I said, Coach, you know, something told me at the end of that conversation, I was supposed to ask. And he said, Don, I wonder what took you so long. (laughs) And out of that began this relationship where basically every other month for 12 years, I flew to California for a day with John Wooden.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And it was powerful. Wow. I mean, it was the, that he became this, and, and, and he had these great responsibilities. If you want to be mentored by me, he said, your job is to show up well prepared. Your job is to come with a game plan for conversation because when you're done with the questions you have, our time together, you know, can, can end. Um, and I thought, wow. So that put the onus on me as the mentee to come well prepared. To come looking for ways that i could derive great knowledge from him and not ever waste his time and uh and and that i love that because that is you know i mean how many of us have all had people say i'd love to be mentored by you but they don't want to do the work they want to show up and say what do you got for me today and john Wooden's thing was my job was to come with a game plan what did i want to learn today and as i so I, i i found myself spending Sometimes, you know, 10, 12 hours preparing for my time together with them, uh, with a list of questions and, and, and going back through history and statistics and just that so I could be so well, re- I could be so ready to ask thoughtful questions that I would get the most of our time together. I, I
0: love the woodenisms that, you know, you've, uh, put down and captured for us over the years. All of us also love the pyramid of success. Uh, have you, and again being so close to him and have learned, and basically a student of his, um, how has the pyramid of success influenced you
1: and the way you run your
0: business and as a man?
1: Well, I, you know, suffice to say, it's so impactful that I have an eight-year-old son. It hangs above his bed, and we talk about it regularly, right? You know, so uh, right. I talk about okay. the pyramid. I talk about the pyramid all the time because I really do believe. I mean, the thoughtfulness he put into. Uh, not just what each block said, but where, but where they, where each block was placed on the pyramid. Uh, I mean, that's rare. That's just really powerful stuff because he, you know, he recognized, right? You don't start without hard work, or, in, in, hard work or, or enthusiasm. And those are your two cornerstones. Um, and if you want to get to the very top, it's competitive greatness. It's, it's your ability to be your best every day when your best is needed. And, um, and I want to build myself to that. And so I think about those things all the time. You know, uh,
0: I, I even though I was in professional basketball for, you know, 30-plus years, my I love education, love it, lifelong, always will be a lifelong learner and teacher. And uh, one of the missions that I'm afraid to say that we don't do in college as a generality is we don't do a good job with teaching leadership to our young people. And I think that's mm-hmm. actually one of the most important things. I actually think this should be a course a wooden course. I mean, you know, and 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 oddly enough, uh, as my you know, monthly subscription comes to success, the last few months I've been teased by, oh my God, it's happening, you know. And then I find out my friend is involved. Tell me about this whole, I mean, I love success. It's one of the biggest things for me in my education, but tell me about this project that you're working on.
1: So, yeah, I know Success Magazine um, has been a great resource for me as well, and I love – I've written for them for a number of years, uh, just occasionally. But about a mm-hmm. year ago, the um, the CEO of Success Partners uh, actually reached out and said they had this vision that they wanted to do an online learning course on John Wooden and the Pyramid of Success and what could we learn from his leadership style. Wow! And they had gone out and they made a deal with the Wooden family um, Nan and Jim is his children, in which proceeds of this program actually go to the wooden family, which is pretty cool that is. um and that that convinced me that it was the right these were the right people to tell these stories and the wooden family gave uh, success access to all to a video archive and 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 audio uh, the tapes that that had been in, sitting in garages for years and uh and they were able to tre- to go through this treasure trove and find um and then on top of that we interviewed almost 50 uh really high end uh, people like Joe Tory and Steve Kerr and uh and Bill Walton whose lives were changed through their relationship or their knowledge of their study of John Wooden so it's got this it's a combination of really cool John Wooden uh, archives along with him teaching along with um, high performers who learn from him and then I I get the good fortune of being the host and so for over the course of the 10 hours of training um, they, they, that you can learn as part of this course I get a chance to kind of walk you through what you can learn from coach and it's pretty it was it was an amazing experience for me to relearn it i felt like i was with him again and uh and i can't not i cannot wait to see how it goes for those who will sign up and get a chance to learn from it
0: how long uh do you uh, would, I, I the list of people that you interview is absolutely breathtaking and uh the, how long does each interview last with uh, these individuals
1: well, almost all of them gave at least an hour, sometimes two, three. Um, wow. but in the process, uh, you know, again, as in any program like that, you're editing it down, um, sure. for, you know, to, so that, so the pieces or stories or whatever it is fit content. And, um, uh, but so that's one of the things that I've loved as much as anything. It's just, I, I obviously got a chance to study all, every bit of the interviews, <laughs> including all the outtakes, and it's pretty amazing. I bet, yeah. How does, so,
0: uh, uh and, cause I, the reason I'm gonna ask you this is not to schlep for our friends and success, they don't need my help, but I, I have 75 to 100,000 listeners that are gonna be texting and emailing me about, how do I sign up for this? How does one, how does one, uh, get the success program?
1: You know what? Do me a favor. I, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give your listeners my personal email address, and if they'll just mention okay. that they're coaching you, okay. they got it there. I'll I'll send them a link. If they send me a note, I, I, I know I've got the link. Um, I, I'll, I I don't have it off the top okay. of my head here, but I I will send it to them. So my email address is don at team like as in basketball team one eight zero dot com. Don at team one eighty. If they email me and just put your name, Brendan, in the uh, in the subject line. Okay. I'll send, him, I'll send him the link.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because I know we're going to have so many people,
1: and I am going to
0: sign up for it uh, as well because, uh, you, you know, we, you can't as a coach, as a player, as anything, as a family person, you can't learn enough about this subject. So now as we're getting ready to do this, which we had planned months ago, uh, our friend, mutual friend, John Maxwell, uh, who literally on a daily basis I follow, and uh, hits me with an email the other day, telling me how my other friend Don Eager uh, is doing a new leadership series on with my other friend Urban Meyer, and I listened to the stuff that you guys do, and I and I said, my God, that is brilliant, and as always, Maxwell is just the best. But what, tell me what your project is with uh, our friend John Maxwell, and how this is something that I think is something for all coaches to capture and business leaders
1: yeah I, and so thank you for that it's, so yeah maxwell is i mean they don't get any better i mean as a thought right. leader as somebody who really understands how to put how to put um like john Wooden, uh to put big thoughts into into short sentences that you can <laughs> wrap your arms around uh really powerful uh but maxwell had a desire has had a desire for a number of years to do something with leaders in the world of sports and and uh and I get to be his partner. Um so the two of us uh actually it's called Go Big with John Maxwell and Don Yeager and uh and we the two of us sit down um once a month with a leader in the world of sports and our opening uh interviews with Urban Meyer uh from Ohio State and uh so we sp- we spend an hour on camera and we're talking leadership with uh with Urban Meyer. How do you do it? What do you when you when you when you're run up against this challenge, what was how did you manage it? You you take over a new job. How do you bring in what piece of it, um, you know, existed before? What, what your predecessor done? How much of it do you discard? How do you make the decision? You know, it's just, it's good leadership for all of us who, who are in places where we get a chance to, to try to bring others along with us. It's just, it's a powerful conversation. And as I'm interviewing Urban in this particular case, uh, and then we have a whole bunch of other interviews scheduled here, uh, Uh, Maxwell jumps right in behind me and offers some sage leadership um, commentary on the conversation. And it's, uh, as you look at it, you're thinking man, this is, uh," I I described it the other day in a blog as rare air. You know, you're you're with Mm -hmm. one amazing leader, which is often what you and I get a chance to do. But then a, a second amazing leader is sitting and offering thoughts about the leadership of the other leader. And and you watch you know the dynamic of leaders and the presence of other leaders, and it's pretty powerful and what did and this was the thing
0: that I thought was so cool, and what did Mr. Coach Meyer do when he heard John Maxwell's things I thought that
1: was <laughs> I, I love it i look I look over and there's urban Meyer and he's 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 reaching around for a pen and a piece of paper so he can make notes on on John Maxwell's uh commentary about his answer to a question and I thought you know that's That's it. That's when you realize, and you are in the company of greatness. When uh, when when one amazing uh, individual is offering opinions, and the other one is uh, is commenting on it, and the and the one that offered the opinion is taking notes on the comments. uh, Man, that's just like that's that's where great leaders are all are always going to be found, where they're learning from each other. And Don, I think that that is going to be such
0: a successful program uh, because you're you know two great interviewers and And, you know, thought provokers are going to have a world-class person that they're going to talk to. And I think that dynamic is going to be proved to be very powerful. I, you know, can you also share with the audience uh, where they can go to uh, possibly get
1: that uh, information? Sure, so Maxwell, yeah, sure, John Maxwell's site has a um, – has a has a link there, okay. but I tell you what, you know, if you're, if again, if they if they text okay. you or they me or the email me to that number, I'll I'll throw that email in as well or that text that, that that link in as well. I, again, I think these are two really amazing opportunities for growth, and uh, I will tell you, having participated in both, I grew, and I can't wait um, to uh, to get a chance to to be part of the growth of others. Well, I I think those are those are great projects,
0: and those are fun, and like you myself uh you don't work a day in your life because you have so much fun what you're doing, and that that's the beauty of it and uh yeah. now let's talk about our original purpose of uh <laughs> when when I, when I got my book this summer when, pre before it came out on great teams the sixteen things high performing organizations do differently, I felt two things: number one, I felt you wrote the book to me. Personally, I thought it was incredible. And I said, uh, most books or most people always love to talk about sports and how business can benefit from it. But then all of a sudden you went and talked to the business people about their things. So you covered both things. And I thought that was the missing link that I see in so many businesses and so many books. And you and the people that you had were phenomenal in the book. But. How did you uh, again? You know, what was the thought process? I know, obviously, we love teams, but how did? Where did you get that concept of
1: you know the teams? Where, where did that? Where sure. did that speak? No, thank speak to you. you. Yeah. So uh, over uh, the last few years, I retired from Sports Illustrated eight years ago, took an early buyout, and um, and one of the things I've been doing is doing a lot of corporate speaking, a lot of speaking events at. Uh, a, 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 corporations, universities, all kinds of different places. And, uh, and and about five years ago, an executive at Microsoft um, grabbed me, and he said, you know, we love what you share with us about individual high performance, how we can be better and learn from John Wooden, Walter Payton, you know, John Smoltz, all these people you've worked with in your lifetime, Dale Brown, uh, you know, just an amazing – he said, we love that, but we want to know how can we build a team that models the high-performing, consistently successful teams uh in sports. What can they teach us? And I thought that was a great question. So I I, yep. I flew to St. Louis to sit down with the Cardinals. And uh and they opened the doors and they said, here's here's what we do. Here's how we here's how we model success year in and year out. Uh, you know, went down to San Antonio, went to went to Duke with Shushevsky and Michigan State with Izzo and um, you know, out to out to see Pete Carroll in, in Seattle and uh and and spend time with Robert Kraft in New England and you just go one by one and as you're picking off these teams that have these amazing cultures uh of success, you sound a handful of, a number of similarities and so i i um i I put it together as a as a project on the habits of high performing teams and that's what these uh that's what that that's what the book is about it took five years it was you know i usually do one book a year this one took me 5 years because the uh just i never wanted to stop reporting i never wanted to stop asking the questions because it was that part of it was so much fun to me um but at some stage i had to sit down and write and uh <laughs> and so i i've i've enjoyed that too
0: now you came up with the four pillars uh and i don't think i've ever heard anyone talk about these four pillars before you know we all have different ideas of why teams are successful. I've never seen them put this way. Let's talk
1: about targeting purpose. Uh, yeah, where did that grab? No. You? I mean, yeah. So that that one grabbed me, and I heard this both corporately and uh, you know with great teams, with some teams like Izzo and and, and Talked about the truth is that that the best teams are those that 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 come together that feel a sense of purpose. Um, they know their why, to use that phrase uh, that Simon Sinek made so famous. They know their why. They, they they understand who they're in service of and why what they do matters, right? At Michigan State, Izzo has an entire, I mean, he built an annual program around don't cheat the bloodlines, right? That you get the opportunity today to play in national TV on, 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 on aircraft carriers, you know, in Madison Square Garden. You get the chance to do all of this stuff because of those who came before you, don't cheat the bloodlines. And then he brings the bloodlines mm-hmm. back regularly, right, to yeah. constantly remind today's players that they are in service of something bigger than them. And that's the challenge, right? Too many kids, too many people, too many players, too many employees, too many coaches uh, only play for themselves. They they are in service of themselves, right? Uh, how do I – how do you and so the question is how do you create that environment where they are in service of something bigger than themselves? and that's what targeting purpose is about. It's about creating a team's why and uh, and I, I tell some fun stories there both corporately and from the sports world about how leaders have done that with then some instructions on how um, you know those who are reading it can go and and put that into play in their own in their own team or business yeah i thought that
0: was uh sensational then you talked about effective management
1: and i and i couldn't right. agree more with this um explain well it's about leadership development first and foremost right you have to always be in the development of that next level of leader if you're not you know if you're if you're insecure enough that you don't want to be developing the person that's going to replace you um you're probably not <laughs> ever going to have a great team right you know yeah so you need to be developing. and but and then it then it goes to recruiting those who are going to work with you, not by talent, but by fit. um you know, recognizing, but to but to recognize what fits in your organization, you have to you have to truly have your arms around. What's the culture of our team? um a lot of uh, a lot of people put a bunch of words on the wall and they argue that that's the culture. But if you ask the team, what gets you celebrated here what gets you promoted what gets you uh you know what gets you acknowledged by the coaches uh, they'll tell you what the culture is and that's cuz by the way that's your real culture uh and they can tell you uh it doesn't matter what you put on the wall they'll tell you the truth and um and so you need to recruit people that fit your culture um and that may mean that you give up on somebody that's just a little more talented um because, and, and how many times have we seen it, right? A really talented person comes in that doesn't fit, just destroys everything, right? Absolutely. And, um, uh, so yeah, all of that kind of falls into, um, you know, effective, effective management.
0: I love that, and I, and I think all those teams that you went spend time with, every one of them, check, check on those first two. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, I never heard this term worded like this, activating efficiency, you know, bringing the members of a team a unique set of talents, experiences, perspectives, work ethic, personality traits, know-how, uh, and then complimenting the other people. Uh, how did that come across in speaking to the different organizations that you did?
1: Well, you know, one of the things is that too often as leaders, we get caught up in wishing we had um uh you know we had other talent right we often you know and and the great leaders uh lead well the team they have not the team they wish they had and uh so when we start talking about activating and getting the most of it's getting the most of the team you have and um and and how do we drive that how do we how do we um encourage them how, how do we even if what they give us isn't the 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 best it's their best, and if we can teach them that that's what's expected of them every day, it's very John Wooden-like, right? Giving your, mm-hmm. you know, success is defined by you know the knowledge that you, uh, the self-satisfaction from doing your very best that you can every day, and um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's where we start activating people is by is by encouraging them to understand that that's that's not just an acceptable behavior, that's an expected behavior within your organization.
0: What did you find when you went around and you speak to all these wonderful leaders and you find out that uh, they have an incredible understanding of realizing that every player on their team is different and that you must coach them differently, isn't it? And that, you know, the perception in the old days of the screamer coach, you know, whether it be, you know, the Parcells, whoever, you know, the guys that really get after you. Uh, And then, you know, we know Coach Wooden, was was not like that. Uh, how did how did people express that to you? And we know the same is true in business, of course.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would I would tell you. I think you you hit it right in the head that the the idea of the screamer employer, the screamer coach. I, I just I think you'll find, by and large, that that especially as the the generation that we're coaching and leading today uh, <laughs> becomes more and more prominently involved. I mean, they don't they don't respond as you or I might have Brendan. I mean, you know, we, I, I, there was a great story the other day in the New York Times about Tom Hermans, the, the the football coach at, at yes. Houston. And he talked about how, you know, he lines his players up before they leave the locker room and he kisses each one on the cheek. And, and he, you know, he whispers that he loves them, right? And for many it. of those young players, it was the first time a man had ever kissed them. Right? And, yep. and, uh, and he grew, and he has this line in this story in which he says, You know what, there are two ways to get the most from people, Uh, you know, two ways to get them to do things they wouldn't naturally do. The first is fear, and the second is love, and I'll choose love every time. So, you know, how do we speak? How do we, you know, uh, some of the best coaches have shared with me, you can't lead people you don't know, and, you know, we don't want to be actively engaged in every part of their lives, but it sure helps. For you to know so know enough about your players, know enough about those who work with you, that you can engage them in a regular conversation about what's happening, because you can't leave those you don't know. And, um, and that, anyway, go ahead. And that goes to relationship type coaching The a Pete
0: Carroll yep. type of method. You know, where it's all and Coach K with the dreams, in, you know, the dream team, and then the future Olympic teams. You know, as when he worked with Chuck Daly, you know, it was all about relationships that they. And he saw I think coach Kay's eyes open when he saw how Chuck was coaching Michael Jordan and Magic and Bird and those guys. There's no raising of a voice' It's, it's, it's just making showing them how much you care about them, and I think that's why Mike was so successful in all these Olympic teams is the relationship and bond he built and trust he got with these players is incredible, absolutely incredible, and that's why I think Mike's so successful, and I think you would share the yeah. same thing. Uh, uh, you, know, you know our friend Pete Carroll has a mental skills coach Michael Gervais and, uh, I love him, Michael he's Gervais fabulous. yep and and Michael uh, uh, really I think captures one of the things we try to teach is that he says as a coach when a player makes a mistake you have a two, three or four second window where you can crush the player you know just send him downstream, uh kill his confidence, or you can
1: build him up. Your decision, not the play. Absolutely. And you know, I, I, I had the chance to go I had the chance to go watch Coach Carroll live that out, right? I watched him I went to one of his practices for a story I was doing for the Wall Street Journal. And what struck me as fascinating is you know, they a lot of times you hear people talk that. They say, Here's how you wanna here's what we wanna do. Uh, you know, we want to make sure we're uplifting. We're, but Coach Carroll, I watched it. You know, guy goes out, he drops a pass. He's wide receiver. He's brand new to the roster. Um, he played for several other NFL teams. He expected to come to the sidelines and get blessed out, which is what happens in so many environments. Mm. And he comes to the sideline, and the coach grabs him and says, Hey, by the way, this morning when we were going through, uh, we were doing film and we were talking about this particular play, Remember, you were asked to, 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 you know, take three steps, dig your left foot in, turn to your right, extend your left arm just a little longer than your right arm so you can cradle the ball. Is that what you did just now? No, coach, it's not. All right, I need you to remember that because, oh, by the way, we need, you know, we're going to need you later later in the season, and I need to remember exactly what's expected of you in that play. And as you watch that, you realize, you know what? He is right. Most times, guys come to the sidelines, and what do you do? You're yelling at him. why did you drop that ball? And, you know, no, as Pete Carroll said to me, nobody, no, we enter, we assume the best intentions for everybody who's on our, who's on our field. We, um, you know, we don't ever believe that they intended to drop the ball. So why start the conversation that way? Right? Exactly. I, I believe, yeah. uh,
0: Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich at Oregon, uh, they don't yell and scream at their players during practice because, as Helper explained it, I don't believe that you can teach and scream at the same time. I thought Ooh, it was great. a great line. Yeah, it's it a great, great line. I have to follow that one away. And I know my wife didn't follow that with our children, but I, I tried to show her that, <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't buy it. Uh, uh, but uh, last one uh, in your four was mutual direction, which. I I think, you know, that part of it is so key in the team aspect, the trust
1: part. How do they how Absolutely. Did thoughts on that? Yeah. My- yeah, and I think there you go, right I mean the part of the mutual direction is a chapter we we talk about how great teams speak a different language, right? That they mm-hmm. um yeah. that they are in that they and that's and that's where this Pete Carroll example that I mentioned comes up in which we're we're talking about the idea that, you know, how do you How do you how do you bring people along with you that you know it's not really a team environment if if uh, if you're there alone right (laughs) so how do you get the most and bring others along with you and that's what um and and there's several pieces of that puzzle that are just so but but part but a great piece of it is an understanding that you have to um you have to be engaged with them in a language that they'll listen to and and yes. Fear or yelling they they you know, they'll listen to it, but will they hear it, and will they hear it for the long haul not not likely.
0: I wanted to just skip around uh because the sixteen uh that you have I thought were so creative in uh you know it was just not the normal like the five cs of this or you know something that, or the ten most one ways to build a team. I just thought these were really insightful. But a couple of the things that I can really relate to is the power of the huddle. Talk
1: about oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean Well this one's actually really fun because it's um in some ways it's 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 also very tactical. You know, sometimes these these ideas or you know, especially when we talk about team building or lessons, they can they can seem Big and I mean, but a huddle is is such a great tactical environment. Um, so some great coaches shared with me that they believed that the actual the power of a huddle, doing running a huddle, an effective huddle, actually gave them a strategic advantage over their competitors. And when I thought about that, I was like, explain that to me. And they, so Shushkevich was one, and he made a great point. He told he said he told me the story about how. They actually videotape their huddles, and I was like, why, "Why do you do that?" And he treats them like game film, and they give players grades for their uh, for their engagement during the huddle. And I, I thought, "How awesome is that?" Because what they want is to treat this. What's the worst thing you can have is an unengaged huddle, where the only people that are listening are those who your uh, who who might need to hear you in that moment. But the truth is, they might not be listening. If, if others might not be listening, and they could play a role later in a game. Right? You could have that third-string point guard who's standing on the sidelines. And he's not listening, and the next thing you know, he's telling a player to call a timeout when you have no timeouts left. And uh, I think mm-hmm. you would see that that's largely what happened when Michigan lost to uh, North Carolina. The, the you know the call from the sidelines that Chris Weber heard. Was from a player who wasn't listening in the previous huddle, when when uh, when coach told everybody that they didn't have any timeouts left. So, you know that's what happens. A great, a bad huddle, an unengaged huddle, can actually work against your best interest. And 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 if you can create a uh, you know rules for your huddles, like you know you're either fully present or fully absent. If you don't want to be in listening, if you don't want to listen to this discussion, if you don't want to be part of it. Do me a favor, just go on and take a seat in the stands because you're not gonna be part of the team. And uh and that that has great corporate implications too, right? I, mean, I, much I much was just
0: to a- Yeah, I was just gonna say I think that's one of the key things missing in the corporate world today is the power of a huddle, a timeout, uh what you do there. And uh I have a business partner, Tom Flick uh from Seattle, who a great speaker who uh, was the quarterback for the Huskies when they won the Rose Bowl against Michigan back around eighty and played seven years in the NFL and Tom talks about the huddle and talks about how, you know, he has fifteen seconds in that huddle and in that huddle with him are black, white, Latino, Asian maybe, and you know, and then also in there are Catholics, Jew, Protestant and Muslim, and they have to all come together as one. And there's nothing more powerful when you, in a matter of 15 seconds, you give a game plan and then you have, you go out there and then in six seconds in front of 60, 80, 100,000 people, the world will know whether you are one and have one heart right. and can execute. And I think that is so, it doesn't happen in business. It doesn't happen. In no,
1: business. in fact, in fact, so when I've, when I've told that story of Shashevsky and record, you know, videotaping their huddles, grading people, I've actually joked with a couple of companies that I've done that with. <laughs> you know, imagine what would happen if at your next meeting in your conference room there was a camera in the upper corner, and and each of you were getting a grade based upon your engagement in the huddle. Right? I mean, how would how would you grade out? And uh, uh, you get a lot of people going, Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I guess I yeah. have to put my phone away because I'm texting underneath the table while while somebody else is talking. Because frankly. I don't really care what they have to say. And that's the, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a bad huddle.
0: And you know, we, we also talk about in, uh, in the NBA, we, we, you know, I always ask my corporate customers, clients, how many business meetings they have a year. And they'll say, you know, either one a week, three a week, five a week, et cetera. And at the end of the year, it averages to two, you know, anywhere from 50 to 250. And when I tell them in the NBA I had 2,800 meetings a year, their eyeballs pop out of their head. And I said, every time we have a timeout, it's a meeting. And I had between 30 seconds and two minutes to convey strategy, to convey uh, substitutions, change of personnel, motivate, uh, a whole dynamic of things. But I'm doing it under the pressure of incredible time and in front of a crowd of eighteen, twenty thousand 20,000 people. And they are all going to judge myself and our team based on how that business meeting went. I said I worked with a large hospitality company that would meet, and the only thing they could decide on Don was whether they were going to meet for one hour or two hours at their next meeting. And then at the end of the quarter, if this plan that they put in place finally worked or not, And then if it didn't work, they were going to blame someone who wasn't leading. And I think that's a very different dynamic than the world we're in. So I think that's how sports can really uh, take this stuff to the next level. That's why I thought your huddle thing was so spot on. Any other ones that you really, that you thought really spoke to uh, let's say the coaches that we have that are listening, which which ones do you, do you really are your favorite? I would
1: I would say the another one that really stood out to me again from my experience with the Spurs um was the development of a mentoring culture within your organization. And uh mm-hmm. and by that that doesn't mean a mentoring program, right? Which, you know, there are people that'll have a program, you know, this is what a mentoring yep. culture, which means you're you're actually uh you're not just encouraging of but you're you're appreciative of those who invest themselves in others, and uh, and you make it an active role as a leader to, uh, to 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 seek out and make sure that people are learning from each other. And if you can do that, if you can create that kind of environment, uh, as the Spurs did, the Spurs are masterful at it. Right? Um, it, one of the things that it lowers as a pressure point for you as a coach or a leader is the need to always be the one in the ear or on the you know uh, on beating up on on those players who are acting out or acting inappropriately because you're you if you create the leadership culture the, the mentoring culture many of them will do that for you right they'll take that pressure off of you as a uh, as a as a leader and uh, it's a when you watch great teams like the Spurs do it when you understand how intentional they are in the creation of that culture uh, and, and to be intentional. Again, as I said, you know, they, they, they don't just ask that of their older players or maybe the players that have been around the team for a longer periods of time. Um, they, uh, they, they, they reward those people for, for taking that role on. And, uh, and, and that encourages people to want to be a more actively and engaged part of that type of a mentoring, um, program. Um, so it just, that I, to think- me really stands out as a coach.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's huge, and uh, I, I think, uh, you know, all these organizations have great head coaches, uh, but the internal leadership, as you mentioned, on each of these teams is what really sets them apart. You know, you're 100% right. If the coach is the only one providing leadership, it's not going to be a world-class organization. I hate to say it. As good as that coach is, they got to have the internal leadership from their players at any
1: level. Totally. I believe that. I yeah. totally agree. Totally agree. So that would uh, be probably one more that I thought would really matter.
0: Talk about the the scouting. I I thought that was interesting. You know, great teams improve through scouting. I thought that was so spot on that we never hear that in uh, the
1: corporate world. Yeah, one of the things that that we talked about there is that, you know, obviously in sports, uh, at the NBA level, right, that's where I've seen this as much as anywhere uh you don't just scout uh your opponent everybody does that everybody knows sure. what the tendencies are but um the best leaders are engaging people to scout themselves um you want to look for your own tendencies so that you don't because if you become overly predictable um people will know what's what's going to happen and uh, uh and so the you know, the ability to to be um Self-critical to be open to to an understanding that you um, we, most of us do have tendencies. Most of us do have that you know we go to this particular. This is what we do at a certain window of time. Uh, with this lineup in the in the uh, you know on the court, we're going to do X. Um, that but but the best way to be difficult to um, to defend is or to, to compete against is to not be predictable. And so that ability to to scout your yourself and look uh, and have have an open and honest discussion about here's what we normally do. Here's what we might want to try, or maybe here's a way we can break. Let's practice it. Let's not for the first time try to break from our uh, from our habits uh, in front of a national television audience. But let's practice ways of going against uh, the the scouting report. On ourselves so that we aren't uh, easily to, we aren't easy to to, to to oppose
0: Don when you when you did this project okay uh, and it's just an incredible project when you when you did this uh, when you when you as you were writing and you finished it uh, your feelings your reaction and the reaction of others to it I mean and I mean this just Uh, I know you're humble, but just, you know, has it met your expectations, exceeded it? Because, you know, it's like, you know, I put in a play the other day in practice. I thought it was the best damn play I put in in a long time. (laughs) It fell flat on his damn face, you know. Uh, So, I mean, you know, I had those things. But when I read this, and I'm going to half answer. When I read this, I said one of the best works I've ever seen on teams, because that's my livelihood, teams. And I said, wow, I don't know what the hell he could have done better. As an expert and a, and, a you know, someone that, you know, goes even further, it's like when I finish a speech, I always say, oh, shit, I could have – I forgot to tell him this. You know, I wanted to do that. How did it – your feelings about it?
1: Well, so I mean thank you for that and, and and actually that's maybe the part um you know when I got a I got a, a, a note from Izzo I I got a, a message from Suchski's one of Suchski's assistants letting me know that they had looked at the book and they were really grateful for the when when people like you and them and people that I so highly regard that are um that are the best team builders on the planet right when, when some of them have said really positive things about the work, that obviously gives you great encouragement. Now, as I said before, my greatest challenge in the whole project was I wanted to keep, I, I so enjoyed being engaged in the conversation about what it takes. I never wanted to stop to actually write it. I just wanted to keep asking the questions. So there's that part of me that says, gosh, if I'd have had one more year to go find 20 more of these people and learn, you know, learn even more, I wonder what that would have done for the project. You always wish you had a little bit more time, Um but I think the one thing about, uh, all of us is that we gotta, at some stage, buckle down and compete, right? We gotta buckle down. Yeah. We got we gotta go out and, play the, play, game. Game. and so, play the game. Gotta play the game, Right. And so, uh, um I, I, I'm, I'm, thank you for the kind words, and that's, that's been the encouraging part, is that people that, that understand what it really does take to do it, have said some really nice things, and, uh, um, your, your partner, Kevin Eastman has been, couldn't be any greater, uh, as a, a, you know, as a, as an encourager on this project. And so, anyway, very lucky.
0: Yeah. No, no. And I think that's the key. And well, maybe some of your new learnings, because we never, as we say at Nike, uh, one of the great things George Draveling told me, I asked him, what, what does Phil Knight, what do those guys say when you guys make a product that's off the charts and it just blows everyone out in the marketplace? They say, to finish, what's next? <laughs> and then the second one yeah. is, there is no finish line. There is no finish line, said, exactly. Uh, and I said, wow, wow. There's, and so that's the way I am and the way you are. You're teaching, writing, and learning. There's no finish line. Uh, there's no. just a little we're at a quarter or half time and you know, and I think you know, as you go forward with your new projects, you can now some of your new learnings can go into those. So uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I I think you're one of the most interesting men. You're like that beer commercial. You're the most one of the most ten most interesting <laughs> people in the world, and I, I, I couldn't I could talk to you for days. So Don, it's been great. By the way, I had a chance. I had
1: a chance to meet the. I had a chance to meet the most interesting man in the world. That guy in the commercials. I. He is, uh, I'm on the national Isn't board it? of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and he is oh, also yeah. a Make-A-Wish guy. And, oh, cool. uh, so we were at a conference together a couple of months ago, and I was like, this is so cool. I get to meet the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, you're uh, better. By the way, you're, you're better than it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, man, i Brendan, as always, it is just an honor to be in your, in your circle, and I, um, and I hope we get to do it many times in the future. We will. And, uh, again, on behalf of our listeners
0: at Coaching You, uh, we can't thank you enough for all you do and sharing and teaching because uh, we're all on that journey. And uh, thank you, Don. And uh, this book is just an incredible success. It's even going to be greater. Make sure, please, that you all go out and get great teams, 16 things for high-performing teams. You'll absolutely love it. It'll make a difference. He's a difference maker, Don Yeager. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, buddy.